Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. In this episode, we sit down with Nancy Golding, Global Chair of STEP, the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners, and Ceci Hassan, Chair of STEP Miami. During this discussion, we learn more about STEP and STEP Miami and their great success in inspiring confidence in families planning for their futures. David, Nancy, and Ceci go on to discuss global hot topics and the future vision for STEP, both globally and in the U.S. Excellent. My name is David Warren. I'm a co-chairman of uh, Bridgeford Trust Company and co-founder, and um, I am very excited to be here with all of you uh, for another installment of Bridgeford's podcast program and podcast series. Uh, we've been humbled the last 12 months or so since we began it to have the opportunity to talk with people and experts in our world from across the world and around the United States. And and of course, today is certainly no exception. And it's something I'm particularly excited about, the topic and the people. Um, STEP as an organization, which we'll talk about and define and explain its, in my opinion, utter importance in the planning community worldwide, has been an organization that I we sort of unwittingly ran into in London when we had the opportunity many, many years ago to meet the, the, the founders. And uh, I learned about it back then and as Bridgeford was launching and then has really harnessed the, the power of, of STEPS educational capability, which is outstanding worldwide. Uh, and of course, the networking capability, which is a whole nother aspect of what STEP does really, really well. Um, my first interaction in the United States with STEP was in, you know, it was in New York. Uh, Bridgeford has gone on uh, to uh, sponsor events for STEP all across the country, particularly Miami, New York, uh, Southern California, and STEP Latam. Now, sadly, because of COVID uh, this year, we've missed the opportunity to, to see our friends in STEP and see our friends around the world and across the country. Um, but today, for me, this is so exciting because we have two very powerful uh, leaders in the STEP world. Uh, that have really taken step uh, worldwide and then regionally in the Miami market, which I understand is is the largest uh, of the step chapters. Um, so I'll begin with a quick introduction of Nancy. Um, Nancy is uh, an attorney in Canada with one of, uh, I like the way they, that your law firm describes themselves as Canada's law firm. Uh, Nancy leads their uh, private client group uh, regionally and nationally, and the firm has well over a thousand uh, legal professionals. Uh, I've, I'm aware of the firm in Canada. It's it's amazing from a uh, from a planning perspective uh, internationally, and uh, it's a pleasure to have Nancy here in her capacity not only as an expert with in Canadian law and, and trust and states work and international work, but in her capacity as the world chair of STEP. Uh, we were very, as I said before, humbled to have Nancy's time and attention uh, to talk about STEP to explain its place in in, in the world of, of planning uh, and education. Um, also very excited to have uh, uh, Ceci Hassan with us, uh, somebody that I've known by name for many years as Bridgeford's work has expanded in, in South Florida. And as we certainly have launched our, our location here in the last six or seven months, uh, Ceci has a tremendous reputation in the Miami market, uh, excellent practitioner, uh, a leader in STEP, and, and is currently uh, the chair of STEP Miami. 
so having these two very accomplished and powerful uh, women in the industry is something that, that we're very excited about. Uh, because again, as I've said a few times already, STEP is very important to Bridgeford, and I know hundreds of, of organizations like ours around the country and across the world. Um, so with that, Nancy, I, I would love to quickly go to you. Um, thank you again for joining us and taking the time. I'm sure you're, you're busy these days. And uh, But if you could please talk about the big picture of STEP and, and what it stands for and the place uh, that it that it was attempting to play the hold in the, in the world planning community and, and where you see it today. Happy to do that. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to speak on the podcast and, uh, and to be involved in this. Just to maybe give a little bit of a history uh, and the origin of STEP. So it's a global professional body comprised of lawyers, accountants, trustees, and other practitioners. The, um, Help, we help families plan uh, for their futures. There are full step members that are known as TEPs. They're internationally recognized experts in their field. It was formed in 1991, so uh, very exciting. It's our 30th anniversary this year. And it started as a forum for practitioners to share best practice in the specialist field of trusts and estates. By 2000, STEP had developed into a worldwide professional body offering a range of uh, special qualifications and resources. And now we have 22,000 members across 96 countries. We do have a a board of directors who is a worldwide board. I'm the chair of the board starting this year. There are seven of us on the board. We have a council that represents the various regions across the world of approximately 36 people. We have over 100 branches around the world. Each branch is led by a dedicated committee. We do have a head office in London of 50 staff. STEP Canada has its own secretariat and an office in Toronto. And then, as you know, from uh, your dealings with STEP US, there's a regional office in New York. And the chair of STEP US is Alan Kratzner, who is in uh, New York. And I think we'd maybe just, uh, I'll just make a real quick comment about the numbers of people that are in the U.S. So there's 17 branches and chapters in the U.S. And the members in the region make up 6% of the global STEP membership. And there are branches in most of the major cities and uh, uh, in, in the U.S., it just gives you a, maybe a little bit of an overview. I can talk a bit more about uh, our mission and uh, and global scope if that's something you'd be interested in hearing as well. Absolutely, thank you for that, Nancy. You know, first of all, congratulations uh, to Step overall. I mean, that is that is tremendous growth and in, in international um, penetration. Um, before we get into the specific scope and, and reason for your existence. Talk about, if you could, the, the demographic. I mean, the, the numbers that you talked about are so impressive, but are they, is it primarily lawyers? Is it trust company uh, owners like me? Well, who, who, who do you, th- what, what makes up all of your membership, generally speaking? So it really is a broad group of people. Uh, there are a significant mum- number of, mem- of lawyers and accountants who are involved. Uh, lots of planners, lots of people who are involved in the trust industry. Um, so, so it is actually a fairly broad range of people who are involved in the various uh, people who help private in the private client world and in the trust world. 
Yeah, right. And it's, it's been my experience as well. And I, I think it, what's amazing to me, and it's, it's been compared in the United States, which I'm not sure if it's an accurate comparison, but some say it's like a trust in the state's council or, or bar association council um, uh, that just caters to the international community, which is, is not a bad analogy, but I think STEP is so much more sophisticated than that, in, in my opinion, which which leads me to some questions about, of course, the mission and global scope. But but the focus on education, which in my experience across the, the globe has been fantastic. And I, I explain to me, I, I presume that was a big part of your mission. Um, but what goes into, well, talk about the mission, but then then the, the focus on education and the ability to keep it consistent across the, the world is really amazing to me. So if you can explain how all that works, that'd be great. Yeah. So one of the, the things that works really well, I think, is the education part of STEP. And so our mission is to inspire confidence in families planning their assets across generations. We set high professional standards, inform public policy, promote education, and we connect practitioners globally to share knowledge and best practice. And I think that's one of the bigger things that STEP is able to do, which is this concept of being able to have practitioners all over the globe uh, connect with each other and, and, and learn from each other. So our core offering is threefold. It's education connection and then professional recognition. And it one of the things that's worked really well during COVID is there are local programs that the various branches and chapters have, and often those are monthly meetings that have edu- an educational component to them. There are national conferences that are held. There is a, a conference that's held uh, in the U.S. as a national conference Um uh, every year, each of the and and Ceci can talk to this about what Step Miami does in term because they are amazing in terms of their education. There, um, in st- for Canada, we actually have a conference every year, usually in June, uh, and we did do it by virtually um, in a bit of a different way by COVID this year, and we have over eight hundred uh, people come uh, to that, which is astounding. Uh, in uh, from a country like Canada, and we do have people from the U.S. and some international people attend that as well. And then there are international events um, too, uh, which are held. We have a global congress that we hold every two years, and there are uh, there is a diploma step diploma. There are courses that um, that you can take. Um, and there is a full education program so that people who join can take all of the um, different components of the education program that's needed and uh, obtain the designation of becoming a TEP. Right. Could you talk more about that, please, Nancy? And, and I definitely want Cecilia to talk about that, too. I mean, I, I think that's... Um, a very powerful distinguishing aspect of what you do that that TEP designation really means something and is sought after and and in my view gives gives a level level of credibility for for particularly Bridgeford as we look for advisors to work with in the, or, or that we when we need advisors to work with around the world to give us guidance or work with our clients uh, frankly I look for the TEP designation and in much the same way that we look for an LLM designation in the United States for for, for taxation. Um, from the beginning of STEP, was that always the designation or is that something that evolved over time? So that was always the designation. And and what's evolved over time is how it is that people can obtain a TEP. And it used to, 
be more difficult, I'd say, for people in um, jurisdictions that weren't in the UK. Uh, Now we actually have a program that's set up and you can take courses in your local area. You can take some of the international courses that are offered through STEP UK, and you can take courses in either other and even in other parts of the world. And and we are looking at um, equivalency for example, having the LLM be an equivalency to allow you to uh, to obtain a TEP if you have an LLM. And we're working with universities in uh, several different countries as well for their courses to be recognized so that uh, people can um, have an equivalency and obtain the TEP. Because it is what is recognized um, around the world for, for people who practice in this area. Well, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that um, it's, it's brilliant from my perspective because, you know, often these groups turn into just a social network, which is fine and valuable to all of us and, and certainly to three of us in our given areas of expertise. But but the, the consistent focus on education and credentialing to me is what makes a step, in my view, one of the most impressive organizations we've been involved in. And and, and I know that there's been a kind of recent evolution of, of your offering, uh, for lack of a better word, this idea of, a, of, of special interest groups within STEP. Um, could you talk a little bit about that and that, that inception and, and its popularity? So it is interesting. The special interest groups are relatively new. We call them SIGs. They are made up of not only STEP members, but also non-members. And there's seven global SIGs that we have at present. And I'll just tell you quickly. So the first one's digital assets, uh, contentious trusts and estates, mental capacity, business families, cross-border estates, philanthropy advisors, and international client. And as I said, you don't have to be a STEP member to join a SIG. So you can go on to the STEP.org website look at the various SIGs uh, and see what it is that they do. They hold meetings, uh, usually virtually. We also have a SIG week when we are able to meet in person. There's a SIG week uh, in London. And uh, so they hold in-person courses as well. There are materials uh, on the different websites. For example, the Digital Assets SIG has been doing a fair amount of work during COVID on Uh, the rules and regulations around the world for uh, virtual signing and video signing of documents. Uh, It allows you to have a discussion with members around the world on topics that might be specific to a practice area that you're involved in. And it also, uh, because of the fact that you don't have to be a step member to be involved for example, in, we have uh, physicians and doctors and, and people in the medical profession who are involved in the, medical, in the mental capacity SIG. And so it gives you access to, to a large group of people who are quite focused in, a, in an area in which they practice. And, uh, and as I said, quite a few materials and, a, and depth of information. No, I think that's fantastic. You know, I, I recently learned about them myself. I love that you allow non-step members to participate, and and it's you know it's very consistent, Nancy, with the organization's overall focus on providing timely and relevant you know, education um, in the international piece. Um, if I could, I'd love to love this uh, transition to you, Ceci. I mean, we, we've gotten to know each other recently, especially more so now that I've transitioned down to, to Miami. 
Um, and, um, you know, I didn't mention in, in my initial uh, in, uh, bio of yours, you, you mentioned, of course, you have a tremendous reputation in this area and in, in the international space. But, you know, having launched your own law firm in this space, coming from a very prestigious law firm uh, during COVID, I think is is particularly um, uh, confident. And I, I ask you, how's it first? Congratulations on that. And, and how's it going? Hi, David. First, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's super exciting to be a part of this. I listen to podcasts every day and now I get to be on one. So to answer your question, um, it was extremely terrifying and exciting all at the same time. Um, I was like constantly feeling very nervous and nauseous before I did it. But the one thing that, <laughs> yeah, that, that you know, COVID and, and being at home, it really, you know, helped me to focus on what was important to me. And one of the things that's important to me in my practice is really feeling like I'm helping people and adding value to their situation. So by going off on my own, I'm really able to focus on that part of the practice that I really like, which is helping the clients and helping the advisors really navigate this international space that you know can be very challenging and very scary for a lot of people and being able to, to help them. And that's really what my main focus was and the reason of doing it. And so far, it's been fantastic. I'm super blessed. I'm very lucky. I'm really enjoying my practice more than I have in many, many years. And really also, this is really helping me to also have a relationship with my clients in a, in a more connected and a more personal level by working in this manner. So it's just been fantastic. Super happy. Well, I'm very happy to hear you're happy. Congratulations on your quick success. I know right away you you, you were met with great, great success in, in the community and completely embraced your entrepreneurial spirit and as does Bridgeford and you know, we, we have great respect for you and the and the work you do for families and and I have tremendous respect for the work you've done with Step. You know, I mean under your leadership uh, and leadership of the board, Step Miami has just exploded and, and has so much credibility and, and this does such a great job uh, in, in well, all of South Florida, but I think across the step footprint, I think step Miami is considered a leader and, and a, uh, and a kind of a, an example of, of, of how step can operate best in the United States. So first of all, talk about your early days with step and, and your early involvement. Um, and then how you've sort of led the organization, um, to where it is now, because again, it's, it's very impressive. So, well, first of all, off the top of your head, well, how many, how many members do you have generally? In Miami, we've got about 180 members at this time. It's gone down a little bit because of COVID, et cetera, but I think that's where we're at right now. That's amazing. Well, how about um, the structure? I know Nancy talked about it from a worldwide perspective. How does a, how is a regional <clears throat> office structured like, like Miami? So I think Miami's actually structured a little bit different, and Nancy can go into this, but we have our own company organized under the laws of Florida, and our sole owner of this company or member of this company is Step Worldwide. And then as part of this, we've created, as many other branches, um, some corporate governance in which we have our own set and board of directors and officers that help to manage Step Miami. And, and Nancy, is that a different model than, than other groups in the United States or across the world follow? 
Yeah, so it is It is interesting. And I just want to uh, congratulate uh, Ceci because Step Miami is the largest chapter in the U.S. So that's wonderful. And different countries do different things. So in Canada, just as an example, we have our own secretariat. We have staff in our office. We've managed to develop our own education programs here. And we have branches across the country in most of the provinces and each of those branches would work the way Step Miami uh, does in terms of having its own board of directors and running its own programs on a local basis. The, and and it just depends. Mo- most of the um, most of the branches within Step worldwide have their own. Um, structure in terms of having a board of directors and running their own programs, whether they're um, incorporated or not, just depends on the structure in the place where they are. So it sounds like there's some flexibility um, with respect to the organizational um, aspects of of STEP. And I I had mentioned to both of you when when we first connected on this that I'm very interested in in getting a STEP chapter launched in South Dakota, um, given all the work they do there. But it sounds like there are some choices. It it doesn't sound like STEP nationally or rather internationally sort of imposes a, a particular structure. Am I hearing that right, Nancy? Yeah, it, 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 we tend to try to work with what we can in the different jurisdictions. Um, there is a distinction, though, between a branch and a chapter and a region. So regions, for example, would be something like Canada. The branches are the, have, you have to have at least 50 people to have a branch. And then if you don't have 50 people, but you can always um, have a chapter and just associate yourself with a branch that might be nearby. So it does allow um, organic growth, which I think is helpful. No, I agree. I think having that flexibility for for these various chapters around the world, in my, my opinion, makes all the difference. And um, I think probably explains the success, because if you just tell them it can only be one way, right, then then some people just may not want to follow that way. So to your point, Nancy, the more flexibility, the better, I guess, attracts attracts people to, to the organization. Um Ceci, going back to, to Miami, you know, I, I've I've seen firsthand um, over the years, and particularly through COVID, which we'll get through, is 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 you know, going back to the educational piece of this, um, the, the programs coming out of Miami are really sophisticated, and you, and you touch on some really sophisticated topics. You know, I was humbled to be a, a part of the Reg S, which we thought was a myopic topic, uh, Reg S discussion. It is, uh, which ended up being one of the most best attended. But but congratulations, I, I think, is, to you and the group for finding. Topics topics that not only are interesting to people, but that are vitally important. Because in my experience, Jesse, I'm not sure that there is or are very many uh, authoritative sources to go to, to hear about topics like Reg S or CRS or all the things that you've been focusing on. So talk to me, if you can, about how you as a board decide where to focus and, and, and how, do you, how do you keep your, your content fresh and relevant? So that's a great question. And it goes with a lot of work. And this is really all of our topics are really thanks to the fantastic board of directors and all the hard work and that people put into this. But typically, you know, part of our structures will have a monthly board meeting. And one of the matters that we always discuss are upcoming topics. And there we'll kind of brainstorm. And our board, this is really important and goes to the success of Miami. It's a mix of people and it's going to be the same people that really represent our audience. So we've got, you know, private client attorneys like myself. We've got accountants who do the international tax work. We've got 
the wealth specialists to work at the various banks. We've got um, other bankers. We have insurance people, trust companies, and corporate service providers. And all of these people really focus in the international space. And that's really where our success is, is that we can come together at these meetings and sometimes even more frequently, and brainstorm as to what is interesting to our clients. What are the clients asking the different advisors? Because, you know, I might hear something different as an attorney than a a trustee might be hearing from their client, for example. And so that's how we kind of try to put these events together. And because of COVID, one of the really good things that's come out of this is now we have access to an entire world of fantastic speakers. We're not limited to those who are in Miami or passing by Miami um, to give this presentation. We're getting speakers from all over the world, and we're looking for the experts in these topics and that are relevant to our audience and trying to find the right people to explain it. And like as David, as you mentioned, your topic was just fantastic. We are still getting requests at this time. Did you record it? How can we listen to it? you know, having questions about this. And we've had many people from all over the world reach out about the presentation that David gave in early January. And it's thanks to having people like David and other experts that our presentations have just been really fantastic. We're getting about, you know, not as big as Canada's event, but we're getting about 500 people to register for these events at this time. And we're getting people from all over the world, from North America, Latin America, the Caribbean, Africa, Europe. We've gotten a few times people from Asia. We've gotten people from Australia and New Zealand. So we're really able to, you know, share our presentations globally and people globally are joining for the presentations. Which I think is fantastic, Ceci. And I think you hit on something that, you know, we definitely need to, I think, focus on, which is, you know, as Miami continues to grow under your leadership and Nancy under your leadership around the world. You know, one of the things I have noticed is I, I'm often surprised when I run into somebody that, that that says they work in the international space, but is not aware of step. And, and that happens frequently, more frequently than it, than it should, in my opinion. And, and I think, and that's certainly not a criticism of either of you or step overall. It's really sort of just the opposite. I mean, those of us who see what step has done, um, and I mean, there's no reason, I mean, there's no, there's no secret as to why I think the success is happening because there's a real passion around your mission and what you're doing in the education and, and, and precisely what you just said in terms of getting world renowned subject matter experts that make step the, the, the destination for the answer when they, when, when people run into complicated questions. But where I'm going with all this is, you know, as powerful as step is, I think there's still you know, a long way to go to make sure that the full international community across the world understands the power and sophistication. Uh, and the usefulness of what you all do. So again, I don't I don't see that as a negative. I see it as an opportunity to continue to grow and grow and grow the organization and be relevant. And I like both of your thoughts on that, Nancy. From a, from a worldwide perspective, you know, um, the numbers are fantastic, but in my view, they could be so much larger. And again, this isn't a criticism of you or anybody's team. It's it's an it's an observation of the opportunity. So Nancy, how do you talk about that on a, on a worldwide level in terms of getting the word out that Step exists and, and how powerful it is? Well, it is an interesting uh, comment, and it also is an interesting challenge for us. We we make 
have been making the effort in the last while uh, to do more work in terms of becoming more flexible in terms of the education offering and the way that people can become TEPs and trying to answer or marry that requirement with the individual circumstances of the region or the country where we are to try and, uh, and engage more members. As we talked about SIGs, uh, allowing non-step members to become mm-hmm. uh, involved with the SIGs and having looking at what we do in the topics for SIGs and coming up with new ideas or new topics that might match new trends that are occurring in the world. We also um, do do look to grow in numbers of uh, countries and areas. And, you know, we do, we, there is a secretariat in New York that is looking to assist with the growth in Step USA. Step Australia is uh, doing quite a bit of work at the moment in terms of expanding there. And we are also uh, expanding, looking at expanding into China as well, because there's a large group of practitioners who are already members of Step and are looking to uh, to have a formal organization there as well. And so we're looking for careful growth, uh, but also uh, you know, growth so that we can allow the practitioners to, to see STEP and to use STEP on a more global basis. Sure. No, it sounds like a great growth strategy. Um, more, more originally, Ceci, you know, I, I think that... Um, there's been great growth. I mean, even just in my involvement over the last four or five years, I've seen the growth. I mean, I've seen your one day summit, you know, get sold out in a matter of a couple of weeks, including sponsorships opportunities, which to me is amazing. When when you run out of sponsorship space, or, or I should say another way, when you run out of an opportunity for somebody to write the organization a check, that must mean you're doing something right in Miami, right? So so where do you see you going in terms of continuing to grow and, 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 and partnerships, perhaps with other organizations to, to keep the momentum? So that's a great question. And really, a lot of our growth has come from all of the prior chairs who everybody's added a bit in in helping Miami's reputation grow. Since I've been chair, which really primarily has been since last year, so my chair has been while we've had COVID, one of the things that we've tried to do to assist in growing is teaming up with other organizations in Miami. And maybe you've signed on and see that we did one with the State Planning Council of Miami. And then we've done another one with FIBA, which is a, a bankers association, trying to get at new people who may not know who we are, but by doing these joint events, we're trying to grow and get the word out. The other thing that we've done since coronavirus is since we're only doing webinars and you know it, we don't have a lot of cost in doing a webinar just the monthly zoom not like hosting a lunch is we've been offering our webinars free to members and non-members and since we've been doing that we've really seen a lot of interest and a lot of people reaching out saying hey how do i become a member you know so trying to do little things like that Uh, In terms of where we're going, we're still really just planning webinars for the foreseeable future. We're planning our first in-person event to be at the end of October, and that will be our one-day summit like the one that you've been to in the past, and that's going to be October 29th at the Four Seasons where we've held it for, you know, the prior two or three years. And so we're looking forward to that and looking forward to a world where we can get back together and be able to do 
one of the other great things that STEP has done, aside from the education piece, is the networking piece and being able to be in the same room and meet our colleagues across you know, different countries and different areas of expertise, et cetera, just being able to get together. Right. Which is something, something I can't wait for. And I, and I do want to congratulate you and, uh, you know, regionally and, and Nancy nationally. I mean, I, I, it was very impressive to watch how quickly step pivoted, you know, I mean, there's no question, um, obviously the awful impact COVID has had on, on the whole world. And, and we're obviously continuing the struggle and, I think as professionals and, and leading organizations, both nonprofit and profit, you know, all of us, I think, worried about the uncertainty. And what inspired me about STEP and other groups and, and actually parts of Bridgeford as well is, you know, you could have gone one in two directions, right? You could have been paralyzed by the fear and uncertainty and, and hoped that things got better so you can go back to how you normally did things. Or you could embrace the change. And we always say, you know, uncertainty is a guiding light. And I think uncertainty has been a guiding light for STEP. I know it has been for Bridgeford. So you quickly, I mean, I think one of the, one of the quickest organizations to harness the, the ability to go, to go digital, so to speak, and, and keep pushing out your content and keep, keep keeping your education going. And that's a testament to leadership regionally and I think around the world. So congratulations, because I, I can tell you other organizations were slower to adapt to the chaos around us. And and STEP didn't seem to skip a beat, which to me is amazing. So congratulations to you both for doing that. I think it's great. Um, a, a quick question about in-person, though. I'm, and I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that about October. Ceci, uh, of course, we'll, we're, we, you'll count on our sponsorship. And Nancy, is there or are there sort of worldwide guidelines, which may be a kind of a naive question, but how do you decide or how, Ceci, do you decide or how is it decided among STEP or STEP LATAM, for example, which I hope happens and they say they're going to go live uh, in the fall as well. You know, who makes those decisions? What's it based on? And, you know, um, you know is, is, it, is it coordinated throughout the organization or is that left up regionally? I'm really intrigued by that. Go ahead, Nancy, I'll let you. Well, thank you. Sure. Well, thank and thank you for for complimenting us in in terms of going virtual and and a lot and allowing that to work and having it work. I have to say, it has. Uh, I think our 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 group did an amazing job, and the staff uh, in London did it, and around the world did an amazing job in having webinars uh, work and uh, changing what we might have done in an ordinary conference. So, for example, on a worldwide basis, we were to have the global congress was supposed to be uh, in Dublin in June of last year and didn't end up happening. We only hold that uh, every two years. And um, so we did take from that the and, and started a thought leadership series that has run through um, sort of on a monthly basis since June when uh, it was supposed to be held on the various topics that we were going to talk about there. And as I had commented, Step Canada had done the same thing from their conference as well. And we've also had in various places virtual roundtables where we might have had discussions, for example, with taxing authorities or um, you know, various uh, experts around the world uh, and have had roundtable discussions and carried those out as well. So we are hoping uh, that we will get back at some point in time, probably later in the year, to having events. It's interesting because it's different in different parts of the world. We, uh, for example, in Australia, they're going to hold a face-to-face conference in July. 
Oh wow! Fingers okay. crossed, but but yeah. certainly better. And so so we are playing it by ear, and the judgments are essentially based on whatever the local situation in each area is. And uh, so we, as I said, Australia is looking to hold a face to face conference in July. They will be able to do that be, uh, if their numbers stay where they are. You know, some of the other jurisdictions, the it, it appears to be quite good and it would make sense to do this is if you're an island it works out fine so i know the isle of man is doing quite well cayman uh is doing quite well in terms of holding uh its conferences and meetings and for example guernsey i know has been holding uh in face person-to-person meetings but david i want to make this and ceci had comment commented on this because i think it's an important point one of the amazing good things about COVID is the opportunity it's given for people around the world to participate in events they wouldn't have otherwise uh, been able to do. And I know I've even taken advantage of that where I wouldn't have taken time out of the office to travel somewhere else in the world to go to a seminar or a session. And I've been able to do that uh, easily during COVID. And I know Ceci had commented on it from the other point of view of the her her branch being able to have speakers from around the world on the sessions that they've been holding so it has actually i have to say it's it's been good for at least that one part i think that's an excellent point i mean you know the, the devastation of covid notwithstanding i mean back to my point about uncertainty can be a guiding light well there certainly are good things that have come out of the way um, we've had to evolve and and i think both of you I agree with you 100. percent And in, in so many respects, it's going to change us for the better in terms of how we all operate. I think professionally and personally, quite frankly. And you know what they say: there's always a silver lining, and I think that's it. And and again, watching the resiliency of Step and and the regions has just been amazing. And I I, I did want to comment um, on on another aspect of, of Step that you know while the education is paramount and, and has been something I've been wildly impressed with the, the other aspect of it is collegiality you know i i, I could tell you when when richard was younger and we first started to come to step miami and and then step la and, and then we became a sponsor it is amazing to me and it's step latam for is another example the huge huge event lots and lots of people but there is a congeniality and a friendship and, and almost dare i say a family uh aspect to this i mean very quickly i was embraced Richard was embraced um uh, the social piece of this uh, it wasn't just about having a glass of wine and, and you know dancing wildly through the night. It was also about making meaningful connections. So you could pick up the phone and call an expert in Miami like Cessier or or find a firm uh, in Canada to help Bridgeford with an, is- an issue with an entity that we're holding. And and so you know the education is is huge, but so is the ability to, to connect. And you know I don't know if that was intentional on the part of Step from the beginning in 1991, but there's a genuine warmth and openness to new people, uh, a genuine interest in each other. And and I, I just frankly don't see that in other organizations as much as I would like to. Um, and I won't mention any by name that we've been involved in, but by far Step has been the warmest. And, and after just even a couple of years of attending, Step came in and, 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 and uh, <clears throat> Miami and, and 
it's, my personal experience is I have great friends around the world because of it. So whatever you're doing to foster that sort of openness, <laughs> warmth, almost family-like culture is, is impressive. And I think there's another aspect of things that, that the organization needs to be celebrated for and, and why I look forward to the uh, live events again. I mean, you know, sharing a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, you just can't replace that from a, from a human touch, uh, human connection perspective. But you've, been ma- but you've managed to keep it going in the last year. So again, congratulations for all that. that that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank what, you. What David, like- you're going to have to share with me what step events that you've been going to where you dance all night. You can share that with me after the podcast because I've yet to go to one where there's <laughs> nighttime dancing. <laughs> I will tell you, I think I actually have video. Uh, so unfortunately, since this is a, a podcast where we don't have video, I can't share. <laughs> but I, I will share videos of some of your colleagues having a nice night dancing with actually women dressed up in, in feathered costumes with with uh, like angel wings on their back. I wasn't came in. That was the first one I had gone to. And I'm going to mention our good friend and mutual friend, Art Dichter. It's the first time I spent time with him. That's why I remember it so well. So we'll have to put those on your website. Uh, and you too, Nancy, we can, we can advertise the collegiality of step in, in very certain terms. <laughs> see, she says, hey, you didn't expect me to say that, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> if I could transition, well, it- because, you know, I, I, I love this conversation and love that I could keep you all, all afternoon. But one of the things that you're know, kind of back to the to the idea of, of um, education, you know, you both are in a very unique position as chair and, and, and being so prolific in both of your practices to see hot topics. And I think we'd be remiss on this interview if we didn't kind of touch on some of the things that are happening around around the world that that's driving really sort of the movement of wealth around the world and and sort of things that you're seeing, um, maybe driven by COVID, maybe not, but but just hot topics. And so, Nancy, you know, if, if you don't mind just a bit from from your perspective as a world chair, and particularly in, in the Canada region, uh, for sure. But you know, what are one or two things that you're seeing that 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 you've noticed that has emerged as as particularly compelling topics or issues, or or maybe just the movement of wealth generally? I mean, there's no question wealth wealth is on the move because of a myriad of reasons. So if you could comment a little bit on that, I'd love your perspective. Well, it's interesting because there's probably a COVID answer and a non-COVID answer. And and I'm sure for everybody from a COVID point of view, one of the topics that's occurring in every single jurisdiction is how are the governments going to pay for the various, um, all of the subsidies and funds that they have got given and everything that they've spent for COVID and what's that going to do in terms of estate and wealth taxes that might occur. So that's one that that's happening. One of the others that's interesting, and it's a COVID one as well. And it it used to be that we would have um, issues about sort of who's a family, and you know where are people, and where are they uh, going to be living, and um, you, you know how, how does that work when your kids live in you know different jurisdictions than you do, and how do you pass on your business and do succession planning for your business and so one of the, there are a couple of things that come out of that with COVID. And so one of them is uh, that there seems to be a fair amount of movement from people going home, wherever home may be, that, that people maybe who have been living in different jurisdictions are now going to 
um, you know, where in certain places, wherever they consider home to be for their family and, and more people are congregating, perhaps in the place where they were born or, you know, where the patriarch or matriarch of the family is. Um, from a COVID point of view, the other thing that's happening is this issue of of taxation and where you happen to be and where you're residing and where you're carrying on business, particularly during COVID, and what the effect um, that has been. And lots of countries have put in um, legislation to, to try to assist with that. So people either, A, don't get caught as being taxed in countries that they never intended to, to be taxed in because they happen to be stuck there during COVID, or the mm-hmm. fact that they um, aren't in a jurisdiction that they really want to be in for tax purposes. That's sort of a new topic um, from a COVID point of view that's been coming up. And, I, and I'll make maybe just a comment about... Um, Two other that maybe are a bit more non-COVID that we've been seeing and doing more uh, work on is uh, younger generations, uh, millennials, Gen Z, looking to use their wealth for social impact. And the concept of responsible stewardship of wealth is something that we've been spending a fair amount of time on and are seeing a fair amount on. And then the other is the, you know, technology, digital assets, um, cryptocurrencies, tax regulations Mm -hmm. uh, to do with cryptocurrencies and things like that. So, um, and then transparency and reporting is, as is clearly a topic that is coming up on a global basis. So those are just a few. Yeah. Those are great and hot hot topics for sure. I mean, everyone that you mentioned is of big interest to Bridgeford for sure. And, um, you know, particularly the cryptocurrency conversation, which is increasingly interesting to us as we get more and more questions about how to hold that in, in trust. Um, Ceci, if I could sort of transition to what you're seeing out of Latin America and and not, not to you know focus on one region too much, but, you know, unquestionably through Miami, um, you know, there's just there's continues to be an amazing influx of of interest and need or desire for uh, U.S. trust structures, <clears throat> particularly, I guess, a foreign grantor trust structure, using top-tier trust jurisdictions like South Dakota and Nevada or, or others. And, you know, throughout the course of my involvement with STEP, we've talked about and heard about the various reasons, one of which is CRS and, and taxation planning and, and a whole myriad of other reasons. I mean, A, CC, have you, have you seen that slow down at all or accelerate? And B, where do you think that's going from your interaction with your, your partners around the world and LATAM and, and your client base? Sure. That's an excellent question. And I would like to add that to the list of hot topics that Nancy mentioned, because I think she hit them all on the head. And then from my perspective, it's also to add the U.S. trust planning. I've actually seen quite an increase in that, especially lately. I think as countries figure out how to pay for you know the coronavirus and probably going to be issuing a lot more new tax reforms, et cetera, clients are looking for a way to protect their assets and diversify their assets out of their local home country. And the U.S. being the strong jurisdiction that it is and and having jurisdictions like South Dakota that really have very strong trust laws, it's only going to be occurring more frequently is, is what I'm seeing based on you know all the calls that I get every day. And I also have a lot of clients who come and may not fully understand what a trust is, especially coming from Latin America, there are civil law jurisdictions, and a trust is really a common law concept, starting to ask, well, what is a trust? Why would I want to have a trust? What benefits is it going to offer me? 
and you know it's always going to be, well, there's going to be some tax planning built in. There's going to be some elements of privacy and some asset protection and having your assets not all be held in one country or one jurisdiction and then the secession planning. So there's really quite a few benefits and the U.S. It seems to be the place to be right now. Well, and it's amazing to me, Ceci, particularly out of Latin America, but but Nancy, it could be a worldwide phenomenon that I'm just not following. But it just seems that almost monthly and sometimes weekly, you know, major changes are happening at the government level in, say, Colombia or Mexico or, or Argentina that, that make you know, the need to, frankly, for lack of a better way of saying it, for, for wealthy families to find alternative planning and trust solutions for their wealth pretty, pretty important. I mean, in dire in some cases, because of some pretty sweeping changes. I mean, you know, Ceci, you, you all just did a, a great program on what's going on in Mexico, which frankly seems to be changing by the month. And that's where, to me, step is vitally important because you're, you're seeing as, you know, where to go for that information. And it's got to be hard, I would imagine, for, for you all to stay on top of the quickly moving landscape. I mean, not only do we have hot topics, but but the, the 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 substantive nature of what we need to talk about seems to change so much, and you know, and everybody's busy. So how do you keep up? So you know, and you need to keep up with what's going on in these countries, right? So I mean, each of the countries I mentioned, right, Ceci, they each have something uh, pretty urgently going on that impacts the, the 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 need for U.S. trust planning, right? Absolutely, I agree, a hundred percent. All over Latin America, <laughs> lots of changes happening. It feels like they're always happening. So we never have a shortage of hot topics in Miami. It's really just kind of like you know, search which country is doing a tax reform this month and go. <laughs> yeah, that's no, amazing to me. Um, another topic I'd like to, to touch on before we we sort of wrap up um, is is really something that I've noticed over the years. Um, more anecdotally, I've not done a study on it, but I, I'm aware of it, and it's happened again in the last, I guess, 60 days here in the Miami market. Is you know the the large wirehouses or <clears throat> brokerage companies or asset managers who, who, for a myriad of reasons, just decide that they don't want to have anything to do anything to do with the international space or international asset management or, or however you define it. And it's interesting to me what drives those decisions. I, I know, I, I, and I certainly, Nancy, on a worldwide level, I, I would imagine you're seeing that, um, you know, again, right here regionally, we saw it just happen again. And in the pool of um, institutions who are willing to operate in the international space, and, and oh, by the way, even those that do operate in international space will restrict in some cases which countries they're operating in. And, and I'm starting to wonder, you know, are we, are we coming into a crisis here where well, wealthy families may soon not have very many choices? And um, Ceci, I love your comments on it first. And Nancy, I'd like to see what, what you're seeing and hearing about that on a global level. But Ceci, what, what do you think of that? Are we, are we running into a problem where we're going to where families are going to have a hard time finding finding providers? Sure. Well, I really hope not. And, and I don't think so, because I think if the business is out there, someone's going to be, you know, willing to take it in one manner or another. Um, I'm not in the room when these big companies and banks are making this decision. So I can really only speculate. And, you know, from my perspective, I would say that it comes down to a business decision and balancing the business versus maybe reputational risk or regulation um, that is increasing with all of these new rules going on globally and in the U.S. So that would be my perspective. But interesting to hear what Nancy would say. So it's interesting. One of the other roles that STEP plays on a global basis 
is uh, their interaction with various governments and regulators and international bodies like the OECD and and uh, on initiatives that uh, that that I think are some of what is driving uh, the various companies out of the global world, where they're finding that there's just too much regulation or there's uh, too many requirements in terms of reporting or they're not able to keep uh, families' information, uh, uh, clients of theirs' uh, financial information, um, uh, and and are worried that that information might be vulnerable to abuse because it's being asked for on such a um, I get, it's such a more open basis, and 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 transparency is being required. And there's certainly nothing wrong with transparency. Um, but one of the things I know Step has been working on for numbers of years, and as I said, does work on on a global basis, is to work with governments and regulators to try to ensure that their measures are practical and effective, and while also protecting families, so that they don't feel vulnerable when they're trying to to look for a place to. To, to um, I guess, organize their affairs. Sure. Well, and that's an excellent point, Nancy, and and both of you. I mean, and, and you know, I I raised the question as to why organizations are exiting, and there's they have their own business reasons for sure. But the other thing that's a reality um, that you just made me think of is, and I believe this is a worldwide reality, which is where Step can guard against is, you know, sadly, there just are nefarious actors in our in our space, you know, selling product, selling structures that are at best untested and at worst illegal. And, you know, I've run into that in, in my 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 interaction around the world and, and the work that we've done at Bridgeford. We've been asked to do some pretty weird things over the years. And I think that's another role that Step plays because you know, you're the bastion of legitimacy, so to speak. And it probably sounds like a dramatic way to say that. But, you know, it, there, there are times I've gone to people like Joe Kellogg or other people associated with Step and said, look, I've run into this scheme, for lack of a better word, that they want to incorporate my trust charter in. What do you think? And, you know, that's where I think a function um, almost unconsciously that you serve is, is again, the, ba- the last bastion of legitimacy, because sadly, there are some bad actors running around selling things they shouldn't be selling to large families who really don't know any better. And the person on the other end of the phone or in the, all the, under the other end of the table just happens to be a good salesman or saleswoman. And next thing you know, they're involved in something that is pretty bad. And, you know, if you could both comment on that, I mean, I, and I almost wonder if that's a, a, a topic for a worldwide discussion and, 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 and in Miami, because I just seem to see it more and more. So maybe first, Nancy, can you comment on that and, you know, how you, how you've had to try to deal with that in my, and, and Ceci, I, I know in the Miami market, we, we see it frequently, but go ahead, Nancy, on, on your, your perspective. Yeah, and that is one of the the other comments that I would make about STEP, right, is we do have high professional standards. We do have a code of professional conduct. We actually uh, do uh, regulate our members um, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and have some stringent requirements that they, uh, that they uh, stand up to. And if complaints are made, we investigate the complaints. And we do that for the purposes of ensuring for the world out there that when they do see the TEP, which you had mentioned, that they are going to be dealing with somebody who uh, who comes up to a, a code of professional conduct and that they can have confidence in them and know that they aren't the bad actors, that they're the people who really uh, have, have gone through some rigorous um, education and um, um, uh, uh, other 
requirements in terms of getting their TEP and belonging to an organization like STEP. Right. That's a great point. Well, Ceci, you know, from your perspective here, you know, um, I, I, did I overstate the issue or, or what, what's, what's been your experience over the years? So I agree with Nancy with, you know, the step and the designation of TEP and having a certain level of, you know, um, respect, as Nancy was saying. But from my personal experience as an attorney with clients, I've seen it here and there, but probably not as frequently as maybe you would when you're dealing with the client day to day and you're managing their their assets that are in the trust. I'll see it more really generally after the fact. But um, right. yeah, so it's not something frequent, but if it's something you're seeing quite often and others, you know, that you're speaking with, maybe it's a good topic for Step Miami to have. Sure. Yeah. And we can certainly talk about that. I, it just seems like every couple of weeks, something else comes up and it's kind of a shady. But I heard, I, I just heard this yesterday. They said that Florida is the land of the sun and shady people or something like that. Sunny and shady people. I don't know. I probably said it wrong, <laughs> but I, I think, I think the point was made <laughs> and not all of us are shady. Uh, Ceci, just to be clear, at least I could speak for the two of us, right? We're not shady. I know. I'm born um, and raised in Miami. Well, I'm very familiar with the shadiness. <laughs> exactly. You can help me say it better next time. Yes. Um, you know, it's been such a, such a, honestly, an honor and a pleasure to have you both. And, and you know, as I've said for the years, we're, we're, we've been a huge supporter. I'm a big believer in the mission. We're going to continue to be big, big sponsors um, as long as we get there fast enough to get a slot. Um, but uh, which is, again, a testament to your successes, certainly around the United States for, for sure. Um, it, one of the things I, I love for our listeners to hear a little bit about, uh, if they're interested in starting a chapter, who, who do they contact? Is it is it is it easy to find on the website how to get a chapter up and running? Uh, maybe Nancy, I'll have you speak to that. Um, just because I, you know, we as I said, I have an interest in South Dakota. I've, I've been I've watched Naples. I saw how Naples chapter started from scratch with Jonathan Gottman and others, um, and I do get the sense it's not terribly difficult, but there are some requirements. Can you can you talk about that, Nancy? Happy to do that. There are some requirements. And one of the things that that we do recommend to people is check to see, right, if there's a branch or a chapter in your area or if there's one that's uh, nearby. And if not, um, it is easy to to get involved and at least to get the information that you need. So there is a STEP USA website as well as the, the STEP Global website. And so you can go on there. Uh, we there is a um, um, a representative in the U.S. who uh, whose job is uh, to help people determine how it is that they can join Step, and also to determine you know how it is that they could end up having a branch or a chapter. And as I'd mentioned, chapters are pe- where there's a group of people who's under uh, fifty people, and then branches are in locations where they have more than 50 people signed up. And I have to say, one of the really good things about STEP, and I think it goes back to what you said about the people being collegial and people being warm and and friendly and also being open to sharing and all kinds of information and knowledge. And honestly, you can email uh, or phone up somebody and say, I'm a STEP member and, and just start from there to have a conversation to actually get assistance and get information on various topics sort of around the world and get assistance for clients in various places around the world. And so um, 
you know, I think that it's because step grows organically and, and we've had it where, you know, you end up with half a dozen people who might have lunch together anyway, or have conversations on a regular basis about topics. And there's no reason why you can't sort of start from there uh, to end up getting building and having members come in. You can join um, other chapters um, and branches that might be nearby for a while until you can end up getting enough people. And uh, step uh, on a uh, worldwide, the head office is certainly prepared to assist with that. And particularly in the U.S., you do actually have a dedicated person who who is there and will assist with that. Well, that's excellent. And and for our listeners, certainly um, we'll have uh, the ability in the in the written summary to, to uh, have links to these resources because I, I expect there'll be lots of interest. And, you know, there's no question over the last 30 years, Nancy and Sessie's, you know, Step has built something pretty special uh, and it's leadership like yours that is going to continue it in the, in the future. So you know, congratulations to you, Nancy, on the work you're doing globally and, and the leadership that, that you've been able to bring to the organization. And, and, and you know, congratulations to you on your personal practice too. I mean, I, you have a day job, uh, which obviously is practicing law, which isn't so easy some days so to, to be as, as successful in Canada and be able to be world chair can't be easy. So, so thank you for, for doing that work and, and the leadership and it's the same for you in Miami. I mean, you know, again, this is, you're not paid, neither one of you, I, I believe are paid for your position. So you clearly have a certain passion yeah. and belief in, in what you're doing. And so congratulations to you both with step and, and your practices. And, you know, again, we can't thank you enough for, for being part of the podcast series. Um, as you both know, we're, we're passionate about big ideas and Richard's passionate about the international space and being of use uh, worldwide. Um, so again, I thank you. I, I offer it to you both. If, if either one of you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you get back to practicing law, Nancy, anything you'd like to share? Well, I, I do encourage people to go on our I'll go on the website, take a look at the SIGs, for example, and the various education programs and the way that you can join STEP. You know, even if you don't want to join STEP, some of the educational programs are are you know helpful anyway and quite useful in terms of people's individual practice. And I do want to thank uh, Ceci for all of your work uh, for making uh, and assisting in making STEP Miami uh, such a, a vibrant. Uh, branch, because uh, you certainly are. And David, I wanted to thank you for letting uh, letting me be part and uh, of this, and also for focusing on and highlighting Step on one of your podcasts. Oh, absolutely! Sure. And I just want to thank My pleasure. Yeah, yeah, and I just want to thank Nancy, and I want to thank you, David, for including me, and Nancy for her kind words. And I just really want to mention that none of this in Step Miami could be done without the amazing help of the board of directors that we have, including two people who are very technical and were key in helping us transition rather quickly to Zoom for our webinars and all the people at STEP headquarters who, you know, took in all of our many, many emails that we sent them last year while we were transitioning, trying to figure this out. So STEP's a great organization and all of the success goes to STEP worldwide. Thank you both so much. Oh, excellent. Thank you again so much for being part of, of this session. And uh, can't wait to uh, see you all somewhere in person soon to share a glass of wine. And, and, uh, and Ceci, we'll make sure we, we show you where the dancing is next time, okay? Yes, please do. <laughs> Thank you both again. <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. For more information, visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.